0: Hi, everyone. This is Laura Womack from Never Too Late Cafe, the sponsor of Bloom Where You're Planted podcast. Today, I have a special guest, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell you where she lives. Hi, I'm Jill Baker,
1: and I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I live in a historic home, but right next door is an empty lot that we had. And so I built a nice studio, um, art studio on that, that I designed and, uh, we built it to be, um, a net zero, um, very e- ecologically friendly studio. It has 22 solar panels on the roof. And, uh, so I supply all of my energy, everything in it is electric. It's 1400 square feet and it has lots of huge, huge windows. Um, and it has a kitchen and a bedroom and a bathroom uh, off of a great big studio space and double doors in the front. Um, It's also um, handicap accessible in the back. Everything is made for the future. So that's where I spend eight hours a day painting and writing.
0: Oh, wonderful. So that was my next question was that you're an artist uh-huh. and also an author. And so how did it come about, since we're talking about your studio, how did it come about to be, what do you call it, net the zero? Net zero. Net zero. <laughs> yes. That
1: means that you produce as much or more than the energy that you use. In other words, when it comes down to the balance line, you know, the bottom line, you are producing as much or more energy than you are using. And so 22 solar panels can produce a lot of energy. And I usually produce much more energy than I use in this building. We Everything is LED lights. Everything is designed to be um, user-friendly, um, electrical, electrical, um, in other words, the hot water heater is on demand. Everything is uh, designed to use less energy.
0: So how did that come about that you decided to do that? Well,
1: friendly. futuristic? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I have always dreamed of the perfect studio since I'm an artist. One of the things that I started doing when I was uh, a young housewife, does <laughs> working in a bedroom, you know, as a studio. And I began to draw my perfect studio, what I would really like to have with big windows, you know, on the north side and so forth. And so I started drawing it. And as the years went by and I rented spaces, um, I went to artists housing and and rented uh, studio spaces and did things like that. And so I lived um, in different places. Um, I began to perfect the studio, the perfect studio. And so I did. So when Lee said, let's build you a studio rather than renting a space, we were able to take the empty lot and build a studio on that lot. And I found a construction guy that was very interested in ecological, um, climate change friendly, type of building and everything in this building was designed by him. Uh, that is the materials that he used are ecologically um, beneficial to climate change. And he did, he put on the solar panels, he, you know, that was included in the cost of building and all of the insulation, just everything about the whole building. He knew what to do. So the
0: walls are called a SIP, S-I-P. Yes. I, I don't recall what that stands for. Um, I don't remember
1: either, but it is... Um, they're huge panels. Yes. Huge panels that are about almost a foot thick um, of foam inside, and the outsides of them are... Uh, well, they're not a foot. They're more like eight inches thick foam. Outsides are presswood or um, plywood and then you can build onto the walls of course that way and they're delivered in one piece the each wall is you draw it carefully and you design the holes for the doors and the windows you put them in exactly the right spot and they deliver them and they just stand them up um, lay them on the ground stand them up seal them at the corners, and you've got a house.
0: I know you mentioned Lee is your Mm fiancé, also a relative of mine. (laughs) That's (laughs) how I met you. And um, so I know that you're not from Louisville originally, correct? That's correct,
1: yeah. I I met Lee 50 years ago, though, when I was living in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He um, was a poet. He had published several books and he saw some illustrations that I had done for a book of Jim Wayne Miller's and um, some other poets in Bowling Green. I had illustrated their books. And he decided that he wanted this, author, this illustrator to design illustrations for his book. And so they asked me, and I said, yes, I would be happy to do that. So I've been illustrating his books ever since. That was 50 years ago.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, and so what is what do you call your home state, your hometown? Well, I don't really have a hometown because
1: I was born in New York. Uh, my father and mother were up there for a short time during the war. He worked at an arms plant building rifles, but then he was recruited to work on the atomic bomb since he had recently graduated with a degree in engineering, and they needed engineers to work on the bomb. So he was recruited. He was sent to Richland, Washington. Um, and we moved there. We we moved
0: around from then on. We worked for GE. He worked for GE. Tell me a little bit about the types of art that you do.
1: Yeah, I, I was trained um, in oil painting. When I went to college, I Went to Baylor University and uh, we learned how to paint oils. And uh, I had actually been painting in oil from early in, in high school. But uh, all my life, I've been an artist from the age of two, my mother said. I started drawing at two and she couldn't keep enough paper in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used up all the paper and pencils, but um, I had been doing oil painting And then when I went to graduate school, um, I started doing collage, which is another kind of uh, mixed media, you might say, using paper and and other kinds of maybe fabric, um, you know, one-dimensional type things. And you glue them onto a panel and make a picture of it. My paintings became very surrealistic. So that that
0: term... Could you explain for us what that term means? Sure.
1: Surreal um, is where you have odd things in conjunction with each other, things that would not normally be in conjunction with each other. Um, if you've ever had a dream where you were, say, in a swimming pool and this elephant comes up to you, you know, that's surreal. It's not real, but it seems to be real in your dream. <laughs> yeah, That's true. So, <laughs> And so the paintings that I did were of uh, houses out in the woods, okay? But these houses were made of very odd things like butterflies. Um, There was a house made of butterflies. There was a house made of ice uh, and glass. Um, Another painting was a house made out of car parts, you know, but they were these like three-story houses and they all were inhabited by some woman and she was peeking out the window. So these were my, these were my paintings, I did about 40 of them. And they were all houses of different kinds, very funny kind of houses, but they were so real, they looked so real that people would ask me, where did I take a picture of that? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the kind of painting I was doing at the time.
0: So you do, um, that's your freelance work that you do. And so you have some paintings on exhibit Mm -hmm. and have for many years. Can you give us a little story about how you started exhibiting your works?
1: Well, I'm like many other artists and you're invited to be in shows um, and you're Your school usually will have an exhibit. And then when I got to Bowling Green um, and and was married, I started showing in weekend fairs, you know, art fairs here and there uh, during the summer. And it was a lot of fun. And I could do portraits. I did 10 minute portraits. I must have done thousands and thousands of 10 minute portraits of people. And they were very popular. And I would make a lot of money on the weekends. I would also have my paintings up at the same time behind me and people would sometimes buy paintings. And so that's how I kind
0: of got started in exhibiting. So, um, and then you also do commissioned work. Yeah. Um, pets, people, what all. Right. Well, from that,
1: um, start of painting the portraits uh, on the weekends, I, Then branched into painting, oil paintings, uh, portraits, which were more uh, long-lasting, you might say, because you could hand them down to your grandchildren even, right? They should last a few thousand years. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I started doing oil paintings, which are much longer lasting. And actually, I spend more time on them. They're more perfect, you might say, than a, a quick sketch in a Uh, Art Fair.
0: So tell us a little bit about the places that you've lived. Uh, Baylor was in Texas. Yes. And then New York.
1: Yes, I, I decided that I needed to have graduate work in order to teach I wanted to teach on the college level or any level actually I just wanted to teach art. So I applied to graduate schools. Um, the first two schools I applied to were the top schools in the nation. Um, that That's what people usually do. You to apply to the top ones and then you start going down. So I applied to the University of Chicago and I applied to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Well, I was accepted to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. I didn't know at the time, but they only take 20 people a year. Um, and out of the thousands of people, they did choose me. Uh, so I, I didn't realize how fortunate I was until I got there. And I saw the list of people that were my cohorts, you know, the other students that had been accepted with me. And I said, wow, is that all? And they said, yes. Don't you feel lucky now? <laughs> <laughs> One so, of the chosen. That's yeah. Nice. So I got a really good education at Pratt. And um, meanwhile, I had gone, uh, I had lived in various places or even around the world. And when I lived in Florence, Italy, I went to the Accademia de Belle Arti, which is the school, the art school in Florence, Italy. And I took some painting classes there. Um, when I was in Florida at Western Kentucky University, I actually entered their graduate program And took constructive design and did painting under Carl Zerbe, who is a famous uh, Bauhaus artist. So I studied there. Um, I I also lived in Los Angeles. And while I was there, I took some education courses because I wanted to know how to teach better. At so,
0: UCLA. Wow, you've got an extensive education. And so where did you teach at? I know that you taught for many years. Yes,
1: I, I taught for about 17 years altogether because I got a late start. Um, but I taught at for the University of Phoenix first. Um, I taught for um, Nossi College of Art in uh, Nashville. I was living in Nashville at the time. And I taught for Pierce College in California. I taught for um, the Institute of Art in Nashville, which is a very um, um, highly um, regarded school of art. Um, And then when I moved to Indiana, I taught for the University of Southern Indiana. I'm on, or I was on their faculty. I don't know, I may still be on their faculty, but. I taught for them for many years.
0: So uh, besides um, Lee Pennington as book illustrations, have you done other illustrations as well? Oh, yes. I've illustrated books for all kinds of people. And
1: um, one of the things that I did learn was Photoshop and uh, Illustrator and other computer uh, art programs, graphic art. Um, I got... A lot of that at uh, Pratt Institute, but then I also worked at Vanderbilt and they sent me to advanced workshops. So I learned how to do graphic arts uh, very well. And so I can, um, I have s- several different styles, you might say. Um, people think that an artist will have one style and that's what they're known for. Well, that may be true. But if you look at uh, Leonardo da Vinci, you look at Michelangelo, you look at any uh, Dali, you look at any of the better known artists of the ages. They worked in many mediums and they had several different styles. Uh, Michelangelo was a sculptor. He was an architect. He also did paintings and he did drawings and murals. I mean, he did a lot of different kinds of things. He didn't just do one thing. And the, to expect an artist to do one thing and do it over and over and over again and the same formula is, I think, doing a great disservice to the artist. It's squelching their creativity. And an artist likes to be free to use other medias, to, to do all kinds of things. So I think... Uh, work on the computer as well as in paints and in watercolor and in collage. So I, I just, these are my my different medias that I love to work in. It's fun for me.
0: And you're an author as well. Well, um,
1: creativity just kind of runs in my blood, I guess. And when I was in high school, and actually earlier than that, I was writing short stories because stories just popped into my head, and I would write them down. So I started writing in high school. I was encouraged to write, and uh, eventually, I just it would just came like second nature to write. And I write every day. I've kept a diary since I was 13 years old every day, and I still so I write every day in that diary, and I write a whole page. Sometimes it, my diary uh, would go to maybe 30 pages a day. It depended on the situation. When I was in stressful times, like when I moved to New York, I was poverty stricken. I didn't have any money. I had a child. I was, you know, a single mom. And uh, I wrote a lot because it was this very stressful situation. And I basically just wrote down all my feelings and what I was going through when I was during, during that time, during that stressful time. And so I have always written. And when you write a lot, you begin to be very uh, efficient in your use of words. In other words, you can say a lot with just a few words. And so I started doing that and, uh, I have written three books that are on the market right now, and I'm in the process of writing another book right now.
0: Amazing. So words of wisdom you might have for someone that, you know, artist, writer. um, Mm -hmm. What would you share with some some of our audience about having the same interest that you have had?
1: Well, I think that one of the, problems that I had to face as, as a creative person, writing or painting was procrastination was a big problem. So what I had to learn to do was to just walk into the area where I had to work first thing in the morning, say, you give yourself a schedule. You walk in at nine o'clock, say, and you start, you pick up a brush or you sit down at your computer or whatever, and suddenly the time just goes away. And you can work, um, when I was a young housewife, I had children there, but they just kind of like played around me, and they adapted to my lifestyle. Um, they also became very creative, by the way, maybe from example uh, just seeing someone working hard every day is good for children. Just go ahead and walk into your studio or into your office, into wherever it is, first thing in the morning, as soon as you can, and do not have other distractions around you that are going to pull you away. If you want to, turn your phone off. Don't look at email. Don't look at Facebook <laughs> <laughs> because that'll... That'll suck all of the creativity out of you for a uh, couple hours at least. And uh, just do that. And it, it's like a discipline. And if you start doing that, eventually you just continue doing it. And you can get a lot done then.
0: Wow, those are powerful words. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying about Facebook. It can um, You can start to check a few things and then... Few hours later, you go, Where did the time go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it happens. Well, you know, this yeah. podcast is called Bloom Where You're Planted. So nice. you've lived multiple places. And <laughs> so, what does that phrase, that quote mean to you?
1: Well, actually, um, I was just talking with that about, about that with my daughter, who has a son who had a particular talent. And he was not accepted in his small town because he was um, different from the other boys. He was a skateboarder and they could, as they got older, they could care less about skating every day. Say that. Well, when he got to be older, he realized he couldn't be a professional skateboarder in the small town where he lived. So he had to move to a big town. Well, now he has planted himself in Los Angeles and he is blooming. So bloom where you're planted could mean you can plant yourself somewhere else if you really want to. If you are being, you know, you're being squelched, your talent is not being recognized or used where you are, go where. You will be recognized and bloom there. And he is—he's a happy boy now. He is doing everything that he ever dreamed of doing. As a, he's not even twenty years old yet, and he's already a recognized professional skateboarder.
0: Amazing, amazing. Those are wonderful words. And so, so what? What's next for Jill Baker? Uh, oh, you said your your book.
1: Yes, I'm uh, working on a science fiction book and it should be done within the next year and uh, hopefully uh, will be coming out on the market. It's already been accepted by a publisher. So um, all I have to do is write it. I'm on chapter three,
0: so <laughs> I'm. it's moving along. Wonderful. Well, listen, as our time comes to close, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom, your all about your talent, and your—it's just—it's um, been quite uh, an honor to have you as a guest. We'll be signing off now. This is Laura Womack from Never Too Late Cafe, which sponsors Bloom Where You're Planted podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank bye you. now. Bye bye.